Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Daphne. And I'm Melanie. And this is This Week in Skating. We scour the internet so you don't have to in order to focus on the confirmed news and updates. This episode, we're bringing you the news and updates through Monday, September 25th. Yay! Yay. So you guys all know that Gina is on vacation and Melanie is filling in for her this week. I'm super excited to welcome Melanie to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to uh, fill in and try to be my best version of Gina. (laughs) So we're going to kick this podcast off with the event results. Of course, Nebelhorn Trophy was the third Challenger Series event. It took place last week. Um, We will have a link to the results. I did not get to watch much of this competition um so we're really going to be brief and just go through some of the medalists and talk a little bit about what happened in the ice dancing event because there was a little issue with the choreographic leaps and getting credit so we will talk about that in a second uh canada's keegan messing vaulted up to first place after his third place short program to win the gold medal, uh, Sai Hyung Lee of Korea got the silver, and Roman Sadovsky, who was in first, dropped third, so he claimed the bronze medal. Yeah, it was great to see uh, Roman have such a strong short program, um, but, you know, I think it is still a process for him to have an event with two solid skates in the same event. So, unfortunately, his pre-skate wasn't as strong. Yeah, and as Gina and I remind everyone, usually when we're talking about Challenger Series events, still early in the season, so there's still some time before the Grand Prix starts in another month to get things all worked out. Yes, of course. It's great to get the kinks out early. Definitely. So in the women's event, Luna Hendricks of Belgium won the gold, followed by Young Hui of Korea and Eva Larakibis of Estonia. I was just going to point out that even though it is the begin- beginning of the season, Hendricks's score, I believe, was quite close to her personal best ever. So it's great to see her um, still riding that momentum that she uh, created last season great to see her kick off the season so strong definitely i'm excited to see where things go this season for her 
yeah, you know, she's um, a bit of a late bloomer in terms of women's figure skating, which isn't a late bloomer in any other sense of the world. But, um, you know, she she wasn't one of the standout young juniors. And so it is great to see that there is a path towards a path to success in skating, even if you don't come out of the gate super strong when you're 13, that it is still possible to be quite successful, even as an old lady in your 20s. Well, talking about that, um, the pair's gold medalists, Deanna Stilato Dudek and Maxime Deschamps, I believe Deanna Stilato is 39. Yeah. I think I think 39, yep. This is incredible. You know, Paris was something new for her. She had not um, competed it before. She decided to come back. And now she's standing on the top of the Nebelhorn Trophy podium. It's pretty really incredible. Remarkable. Deanna's last international gold medal win was at the 99... 2000 ISU Grand Prix final over 20 years ago. So you never know. And her partner, Maxime, is also, I mean, he was kind of always around in Canadian skating, but um, was not one of the standouts either when he was uh, younger. So it's, it's really remarkable for both of them. Just a testament to what the right training and the right partnership and situation and, you know, just place in life uh, can do for the athletes. Yeah. It's got to be the right partner. For them, it seems to be that they have found that partnership. So in the silver medal position, Elisa Efimova and Ruben Blomart of Germany, and Germany's Annika Hoke and Robert Kunkel won the bronze. Moving on to ice dance, uh, Lila Fear and Lewis Gibson, they chalked up another uh, win. It's their third consecutive win this season, second in a Challenger Series event. Uh, they were joined on the podium by Allison Reed, and Solius and Brule Vicious from Lithuania, and Caroline Susis and Shane Ferris got their season underway with a bronze medal. Yeah, um, I don't think anyone was surprised that Fear and Gibson took the top honors in this field as they've been looking ready and strong already this season. Um, but really great for the other two medalists to kind of get out there and establish themselves at this early challenger. Yeah, considering, I mean, it is early in the season, but this is still a post-Olympic season. This is when teams are kind of trying to figure out where they are and where they want to go, like um, to either make it to Worlds or higher in their national ranking. There's there's so much at stake. So it's really cool to see them come through and, and really start start strong. I mean, a medal at Nebelhorn? I think last week I called it, what did I call it? The, uh, I don't know, the crown jewel of the, ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the crown jewel of the Challenger series because it's been going on for such a long time. It really is. It's such, and it's such a rite of passage to, you know, to um, compete in Oberstorf, I think. So uh, it's so, it, 
it's just so magical. I got to go last year for the first time ever. And, um, you know, even though I was on the opposite side of the boards and still, it just, it just felt so exciting to just be at Nebelhorn. Um, it's such a historical event. There's a lot of nostalgia associated with it. In the past, it has been one of the events that they've used as an Olympic qualifier. I think it was used last year for the Olympic qualifier. So it was a really big deal. And this is actually the 54th Nebelhorn Trophy. So this is an event that wasn't started in the last 25 years we're looking way back to 54 years ago so it's exciting that it's still taking place because some events have you know ended and are no longer being held this is one of them that is continuing yeah so one of the things that popped up in the ice dance event is a couple of teams had some um had elements removed and it concerned the choreographic leap sequences and Anne, thanks Anne, she went back and looked at her original copy of communication number 2468, which allowed for one and a half rotations in each assisted jump. Um, however, on August 31st, that was changed to allow only one rotation in each assisted jump. Um, so that probably caused some of the issue. I'm not sure because I didn't see the programs. But uh, Anne always keeps a copy of the old communications just in case they get updated so she can just double check and see what's changed. And in this case, it came in very handy for us because we were able to figure out what happened. Um, if anyone else has any more info, let us know. But it's too bad because two of the teams that were affected by it were Australia's Harris and Chan and Team USA's uh, McNamara and Spiridonov. I also wonder what the problem was. Like, why, why change this on August mm -hmm. 31st? Which technically is before... Well, it, not really. The season had already begun. We'd already had yeah. the first international event. We'd already had Lake Placid. Mm -hmm. Um was the ISU technical committee really so scandalized by the one and a half rotation jumps <laughs> that they saw in Lake Placid that they had to change? I, I, I don't know. I, if there was a reason, I would love to know it. Yeah, me <laughs> But it too. does seem strange to change that at that point in the season. Um, yeah. I I think I'm going to reach out to the ISU. Maybe we can get some <laughs> clarification on that. Because I'm not really sure why it was changed. And right. obviously, there were teams that didn't realize that, you know, in coaching teams. And we're, not, and we're not talking about coaching teams with one or two teams. We're talking about complete training groups. like Right. And I don't think it... I also don't think that having one and a half or one... Rotation. The only thing I can think of off the top of my head is, is I think in general, you're not allowed to have jumps of more than one rotation in ice dance. Um, that's one of the things that's supposed to distinguish it from the other disciplines. So perhaps it was for like continuity. Mm -hmm. That very but, well could be. Yeah. So the last thing about Nebelhorn before we move on is 
Mikhail Savitsky, who is the German ice dancer who won uh, the JDP in Riga, Latvia with his partner, Daria Grimm, handled all of the live stream commentary in English by himself. And he provided many, many positive thoughts overall. A bit of fun trivia. He and his partner were invited to skate in the gala and he was still able to do live stream commentary despite being somewhat breathless immediately after their performance. <laughs> That's great. That's so great. So someone on Twitter had mentioned his the commentator was Mikhail Savitsky, and I'm thinking, that's the ice dancer. It has to be the ice dancer. What's wow, that's a cool opportunity to get to do that. Start honing those skills now. Yeah, I think last year they had another skater who trained in Oberstdorf but wasn't involved in the competition also do the commentary and um so i i love that you know i think a lot of events it wouldn't if they don't have a professional commentary team coming in it wouldn't occur to them to ask anyone yeah um but yeah i love that they gave someone the opportunity and that he did a pretty great job from yeah what i've heard yeah that's that's what i've heard as well so Challenge Cup took place uh, September 21st through the 25th in Ardmore, Pennsylvania. Such a historic rink. If you're talking about historic rinks, that's a historic rink in the U.S. Uh, it was the final NQS for singles in the Eastern section and the final NQS event for ice stands. But why am I telling you about this when Melanie can comment because she was there as their vendor photographer? I was. And... um. I will also add the caveat that this was my 10th competition in 11 weeks, <laughs> and I was more than a little fried, so I'm not sure how many details and specifics I remember, but um, it was it was great to be there um, to kind of go along with what we were saying about Nebelhorn, uh, Challenge Cup also has a historic feel to it. I don't know how long the competition has been going on, but the rink, the Philadelphia Skating Club and Humane Society, um, is, I imagine it's one of the oldest rinks in the U.S. I think it's not quite 100 years old, um, but it's owned by this skating club. It's a single sheet, and there are no boards there's mirrors at the end. There's no glass. It's never uh, rented out to hockey players, obviously. So, um, and there's a lot of natural light in there, which made the photography quite challenging um, because it, the especially in the middle of the afternoon, there are skylights and windows, but then there's also a section in the center of the rink directly behind where the judges sit, where they have blacked out the glass. So um, the, I think they, they put some sort of black tarp or sheet of something outside um, over the glass because when they started doing IJS competitions, the judges couldn't see their computers from the glare from the yes. sunshine. <laughs> so it goes, the rink, the light in the rink goes from, very bright to very dark very quickly um so 
in talking to some of the athletes, especially the younger ones that took that hadn't skated there before, uh, most of them were glad that to get a practice in before because it it did take some getting used to because you could you know come out of a jump or an element and turn around and all of a sudden have the sun in your eyes, uh, which isn't (laughs) something that skaters are generally used to. Um, And, and then also not having boards and also not having the uh, lines on the ice. A lot of the skaters use the, the lines from hockey Mm -hmm. and the circles to kind of line up where they where different elements in their program go or even where they start and finish. So um, it was definitely a new experience for many of the athletes. It was a huge competition. Um, I heard that they had almost a thousand skaters register, but then they had to cancel all of the events, all of the non-qualifying events, so the events below the juvenile level, Mm -hmm. um, in order to make room for the NQS skaters to get in there. Uh, to be able to accept as many as possible that wanted to compete in one more NQS. So it was great that they made room for everyone that wanted to travel to the event. Um, And I had a lot of fun seeing the ice dance in particular because it was, you know, it was a a pretty decent-sized field at all of the levels. Um, Mm -hmm. I think both juvenile and intermediate had 10 teams or more, and then novice, junior, senior were about seven or eight teams. Uh, which is more than you typically see at a kind of a late summer competition like this. I got to see uh, the new team of Isabella Flores and Ivan Dziatov. Uh They looked fantastic, especially in the rhythm dance. Uh, they performed really well with really, really sharp, uh, strong Latin choreography, I thought. And... Um, just really good unison, really deep edges, really strong elements. They didn't look new or unsure of their some unsure of themselves at all. I think probably the rhythm dance is the program that they've had more time with. I would just mm-hmm. guess the free dance didn't look um, what well, was a different style. You know, it was kind of a lyrical, modern lyrical type thing. So. Um, it it doesn't reach out and grab you like the rhythm dance does. Uh, but they, they did well. They improved a lot upon their score from um, their first competition, which was at Silicon Valley Open. I think they scored almost 180 points. And they did. Uh, we also got to see Angela Ling and Caleb Wine do their first free dance. Um, they did... And Abbey Road Free Dance, uh, the trilogy of songs, Golden Slumbers, Carry That Weight, and The End. And it was kind of, it was fun for me to see that because when I think of that music, I always think of Kim Navarro and Brent Vementre's Free Dance to mm-hmm. that music. And this is the rink that Kim and Brent used to train at. So I thought it was kind of a... Yeah. A, f- a fun little ice dance nerd moment that they ended up debuting that program in that rink. Yeah. Uh, they skated the rhythm dance up at Lake Placid and she had a fall mm-hmm. during one of the lifts. 
and they did not skate the free dance. Um, it was a really strange fall too. It was really unexpected. They're usually a very consistent team. Yeah, from what I vaguely remember, I think they, I think the lift was different this time. But yeah, I'm not positive, but I think so. Well, I'm glad that they were back out there. It looked like the roster was pretty full, of course. We will have those results, the link to them, in our episode notes uh, when this podcast goes live. So you guys can check all of that out. As Melanie said, it's a pretty big roster for Ice Dance. So I think the having it be an NQS probably helped build up the entry list quite a bit. And in singles, um, Max Lake was the only senior entry, and he didn't have... A perfect program, but he did land quads in both his short and his free, uh, which is great for him. And um, Elsa Chang had a really standout free skate in one of the senior women groups. Um, I think she landed seven triples. So, yeah. Oh, she, wow. Um, I think this is her first senior season. And I'd seen her once... A few weeks ago, I think maybe at Potomac Open. And, you know, she's skated well there, but this was uh, quite quite an improvement. And um, Alyssa Rich, who uh, some people might remember from Nationals a few years ago, she had a wonderfully fun short program to Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. Um, I'm sorry to say that the I Want to Dance with Somebody short program is no more, but she still has a Whitney Houston short program, so (laughs) I guess that's her thing. (laughs) Um, She skated to I Will Always Love You, and she had a really fantastic short with a triple-triple. So um, definitely got to see some good skating. So moving on from Challenge Cup, we also have results from another competition, Mel, do you want to break that down a little bit? So in addition to the final NQS in the Eastern section last weekend, there was also an NQS in the Midwestern section um, in Austin. Well, Cedar Park, Texas, I guess, but the Austin area, um, Austin Autumn Classic. Uh, That one was not as large of a competition. Uh, Still pretty large but um we heard that they cut off the entry lists a bit early and a lot of people had registered for that one and then didn't end up going like for example uh brady tonell was registered for it but she ended up not going um maren pierce won senior ladies she's competed quite a few times in the nqs um ren warren jacobson uh, Amelia Murdoch and Bryn Roberts rounded out the top four, and I believe all of them have qualified for their respective sectionals as well. And um, in junior, Hannah Herrera, who just uh, came back from her JGP, had a pretty solid outing. She scored 152.84 points to win the junior women's event. Uh, Phoebe Stubblefield was also registered for that competition but uh she has the score she needed for sectionals and chose not to compete so moving on 
Japan held its first two regional qualifying competitions. They have six total. They are complete and results are available in English. The links will be included in the show notes. First up, the Chubu Regionals. Rika Kahira returned to competition after missing all of last season and though still recovering from injury, she placed high enough sixth to qualify for nationals in December. Her Grand Prix assignments give her a bye through her sectional championship, so she won't have to compete again. Reno Matsuki won the senior women's event, and Soda Yamamoto won the senior men's event. I don't have an individual breakdown, but the Kanto regionals were also held, and we do have those results for you. Also in Japan, the Chris Reed Cup took place for the first time September 23rd. I have some additional info on that that I'll include in the show notes. They debuted Kathy Reed's new pattern dance, Chris Reed Blues. Um, I also have a link to that pattern. Mm-hmm. It's bittersweet. I mean, I watched Chris and Kathy come up through the U.S. ranks and then move on to represent Japan. I still... I'm just still shocked that he's not with us anymore. It's just so sad. Um, he was just, you know, a great guy and a great skater and a, and a fun person. And so I'm glad that they were able to hold this competition. And I'm going to reach out to Kathy and get additional info so we can share that maybe on next week's podcast. Yeah, I love that uh, they were able to put this together in his honor i i know that kathy is really passionate about um growing ice dance in japan and she's already i think she's already started to make a wonderful impact since she's moved there and i know she wanted to do this with chris and now she's doing it in his honor and it's just really just really touching to see um her continue to have success agreed Skate Canada hosted an ISU International Adult Figure Skating Competition in Ottawa. Uh, they have this event once or twice a year. I think the the schedule got a little wonky due to the pandemic. It used to always be in Oberstdorf, um, but they've started hosting this event uh, in different places. Now, I think um, Lake Placid hosted it. I couldn't tell you when. Because what is time anymore? But um, at some point in the last <laughs> few years, like Placid hosted it as well. Uh, so we'll have the results linked. And Skate Canada also has the videos archived. Which is awesome. I love that they have daily motion and, and have the competitions up there for you to be able to watch. Yeah, they really, um, they really kind of led the field. On that they've been doing that for a long time and whatever deal they have worked out with daily motion seems to be working for them still yeah so it really is great to see a lot of the um not just national video or national competitions but also the regional videos too also in canada the Quebec section held the Souvenir Georges Etier competition over the weekend in Beaufort. 
this is kind of a provincial competition that's a stepping stone to their sectional, which will be coming up at the usually the end of October or early November. Um, so a lot of Quebec skaters competed uh, in senior dance. Alicia Fabry and Paul Iyer won. Um, and in senior women, Justine McClett won. She was uh, a JGP skater, but will be skating senior domestically. And also of note, uh, a lot of people were looking forward to the debut of Emmanuel Proft and Nicola Nadeau in pairs. Um, he's, it seems like it's been a couple years since he said he was going to switch from singles to pairs, and still no one has seen them compete yet because they did not compete (laughs) so uh there was some speculation among fans that um they i they might get the skate canada tbd spot that is still open uh but they have not competed yet so at this point probably not Well, considering the Grand Prix are about a month away, there's not a lot of time to set those final slots. A lot of the yes. other countries have already selected who's going to fill those. Yeah, that might be the only one that's, or like the last one left that's still open. I'm not sure. And finally, Russian test skates took place this past weekend. If you go on YouTube, there are tons of videos available there that you can take a look and see what people are skating to for this season. Moving on to our general skating news, Skating Club of Boston announced that Ice Chips, which is a show that dates back to 1911, the longest running club produced ice show in the world. I've been to it a couple of times. It's usually (laughs) so much fun. It's returning and will be held over the course of three shows on April 7th and 8th, 2023. Hooray. Um, also back is Stars on Ice. They'll be doing an end-of-the-year holiday tour in Canada. Uh, tickets are now on sale for uh, seven shows, I believe. And they've kind of been announcing the shows, like, uh, not all at once. So it's unclear if these are all of the shows or if there are still more coming. Uh, but there are tickets for seven shows available between December 3rd to 16th and i think most of the shows are in ontario and atlantic canada wow well i just quickly looked up to see who's going to be skating on this tour and it looks like kurt browning elvis stoico jeffrey buttle caitlin weaver and andrew poche kirsten moore towers and michael marinaro nam nguyen elage balde Alyssa Sisney. I mean, that's pretty great roster of skaters. Pretty great roster of Canada's greatest hits. Yes. That are still performing, at least. Yeah. So. That's great. So, moving on to recent interviews. Polina Edmonds had 2017 U.S. Junior Champion Caitlin Newin on her podcast this past week. Um, Her career was cut short by injuries, and so Paulina is interviewing her, and I did not get a chance to listen to this one, but I'm going to because 
you know, injuries are a thing in this sport and some skaters disappear and you never know really why. And Caitlin is an instance that it was, you know, injuries. Sometimes your body can only take so much. Yeah. And she's um, chronicling her kind of uh, dive back into skating on Instagram. She's been coaching and um, doing a little bit more of skating for herself. And it's just, uh, I like what she is publishing. She seems to have a positive attitude about, um, not necessarily about what happened, but about how she's recovered from it, I would say. So, yeah. That's great. Um, South Korea's Lim and Kwan have a interview on Golden Skate. Uh, they talked about winning their first JGP event in Courchevel. Golden Skate also did an interview with Italy's Nikolai Memola, who was first and second at his JGPs and third at Lombardia Trophy, which was his first Challenger Series event of the season. He's got the whole set. Yep. It's great, <laughs> right? I mean, he started the season. He's got all the medals. Um, gold, silver, and bronze. He's good. He should be at the Junior Grand Prix final in December. Um, he's on a roll so far. Yeah. And to get to do the final at home will be great, too, because uh, it is in Torino. Uh, U.S. Figure Skating Fan Zone has an article on 2022 U.S. Junior Ice Dance Champions, Leanna Set and Artyom Markalov. They were scheduled to make their international season debut. De- they were scheduled to make their international season debut in Yerevan, Armenia, um, but since that event was canceled, they have been reassigned to the JGP in Gdansk, Poland, October fifth through eighth. Right, that is the second Poland event because the first Poland event is happening this week. It's this week, yes. <laughs> Two for the Ice posted an interview with Lily Henson and Nathan Lickers. They talk about their partnership, which is a long term. They've been skating together since 2012. Their transition to IM Ontario and their programs this year. Moving on. Yes, I'm pretty sure that I photographed Lily and Nathan for the first time in 2014. And they were tiny. (laughs) So (laughs) it has been cool to see them grow into normal sized humans and uh to really i've i was really impressed with them this year i think they have really great programs it was great to see them in lake placid definitely so moving on to social media updates vivian pap who is only 14 years old announced that she and her family have decided not to represent hungary any longer Um, She has yet to announce which country she's going to represent, but mentioned that three countries have reached out to her. Um, It's kind of a messy, complicated situation. Um, Yeah, I really feel awful that a 14-year-old kind of has to go through this and make this decision, but it sounds like that she has the support of her family, which, um, you know, hopefully that's a help to her. Hopefully they're um, just trying to 
support her in a positive way to be able to compete if that's what she wants to do. But um, yeah, from from what I've read, it it sounds like um, she was asked to sign a contract by the new leadership of the Hungarian Federation and that just she wasn't comfortable with a lot of the items in the contract. So I don't, I didn't really do a deep dive on it. (laughs) Um, You know, I think it does, it calls into question that of what we're asking the children in our sport to do. You know, mm-hmm. obviously this has been a big topic this year and they have um, raised the minimum age for seniors will be increasing over the next few years. Um, and that that might help certain things. But the the junior circuit is still very competitive. And um, and it's it's when you really think about it, it's young children that we're. Mm-hmm. Treating like adults in mm-hmm. many situations. So. Yeah. Well, it's women skating, even at the junior level. So, yeah, it's definitely a very difficult situation. Vivian, of course, was born in Budapest. Uh, Kirsten Moore Towers has launched her mentoring website. It's www.kmtperformance.ca. Um, this is what she has decided to do, um, in her post competitive life. Um, she wants to use her experiences. She's talked pretty openly about some of her more negative experiences in competitive skating. Um, obviously she's had a lot of positive ones to you and, um, you know, this is how she wants to take her experience and give back to the next generation, I guess. Or even, I guess, even people in her generation that need some mentoring. We all need mentoring sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, I think it's really cool. I think Kirsten has the right personality to do something like this. And I hope that... Um, that she feels like she's creating something positive through all of this, because I'm sure she will. Yeah. Well, speaking of Kirsten, uh, she um, called out Mr. Mikhail Savitsky about a comment he made about the partner's body size differences during his Nebelhorn Pairs commentary. And they shared a private dialogue and Savitsky made a gracious public apology during his live stream about the comments that he made. And I I think it's great that they were able to, you know, to take it offline and have this discussion now because it, it ties in, if you think about, you know, Kirsten's mentoring, helping him understand what's right and wrong or what's good and bad about this commentary this specific commentary is something that he can take for future you know opportunities to do commentary so i appreciated that very much 
Yeah, I thought it was great that he also wanted her to share their conversation that they had. Uh, you know, she had a conversation with him in private, which was respectful, but then he wanted her to share it because he wanted people to um, to see that he, you know, t- took the criticism well and gained a new perspective that he hadn't had before. And this is in stark contrast to what happened with the commentators at the World Championships this year. Yes. Yes, it is. So. Big difference. Thought I'd mention that. Yeah. Yeah. It's great that Savitsky was open to this conversation and sharing it because I think the sport can get better the more that former competitive skaters share their experiences And if they're not afraid to speak up and offer assistance or help, people understand why something is right or wrong. I I really appreciate it. And now we, you know, this, this can impact him going forward. And, you know, it's really appreciated. So moving along to our upcoming events for this week. Ooh, another Another Challenger Series event with the Andre Napella Memorial in Bratislava, Slovakia. Um, Skate Canada is sending just Marjorie Lajoie and Zachary Laga, according to their 923 press release. Um, Corey Cerselli and Miku Makita and Tyler Gennaro were assigned originally, but they're no longer listed on their roster sheet. Uh, For... Team USA, we have Isabel Levito, Elena Budko, and Una Brown and Gage Brown making their debuts. And it is the second Challenger Series event for Ava Pate and Logan By. Junior Grand Prix uh, continues this week in Gdansk, Poland. The women's field has expanded from 41 skaters to 49 skaters due to the cancellation of last week's JGP in Armenia and the subsequent reallocation of those entries to the final three JGP events. So they shuffled around everyone that was supposed to be in Armenia, and um, that is going to create some large and competitive fields, extra competitive fields, I guess, in the last three events. Because of the reallocation of entries, Argentina will send two women to a JGP for the first time ever. One of them is Cecilia Donahue, who uh, is training in the Columbus, Ohio area. Uh, She'll be making her international debut this week after winning nationals last month. Um, And we have a local article about her. So the Dick Button Artistic Skating Festival will take place in Lake Placid. It's going to celebrate Olympic champion Dick Button. It's going to take place on October 2nd. There are performances, workshops, live presentations by the Ice Dance International, the Ice Theater of New York, and Next Ice Age. Check our show notes for additional information on tickets. Speaking of Ice Dance International, Doug Webster and the gang kicked off a tour on the 17th of September. It's continuing through October 9th, and this week they're in Wilkes-Barre, PA, 
West Orange, New Jersey, and Lake Placid, New York, especially for the Dick Button Artistic Skating Festival that's going on. And that brings us to the end of our regular segments. Melanie, could you let folks know where they can find us? Of course. You can find us, and when I say us, I mean Daphne and Gina, who I'm cosplaying currently. You can find us at www.thisweekinskating.com. We're on all the socials, including Twitter, at thiswkinskating. Facebook and Instagram are both This Week in Skating. And we'd love your feedback or questions, and you can reach out to us on social media or email us at thisweekinskating at gmail.com. As always, we appreciate the support we've received via email and social media, so keep it coming as we continue to dive into the figure skating season. Next up, we usually will share what's going on over at IDC and Figure Skaters Online. This week, we had an Ann Calder article about um, Christina Bland and Matthew Sperry. They were supposed to make their debut this week or last week in Yerevan, but were unable to because of the cancellation of the event. They have been reallocated to another competition. I also have photos from the U.S. Classic, the JGP Riga Cup, and Lombardia Trophy, and I should have some photos from Nepala Memorial and another JGP coming up. And Challenge Cup. <laughs> there will be photos from Challenge Cup. Watching your posts, Melanie, I just wanted to be there so much. And now I'm even more excited uh, to go to the Ice Dance Finals since it's so close to me. It's going to be in Norwood, so it's something I can get to. So my next two competitions are Skate America and the Ice Dance Final. Anne will be at both of them. Gina will be at Skate America with us. But um, Anne and I are planning to do the Ice Dance Final. It's just become something we do every year we're just we just enjoy it so much so it's so great and the athletes are all so excited about it um you know we had I had a lot of people asking me if I would be there unfortunately I will will not my company has the photography contract for the (laughs) other two sectionals but not easterns (laughs) so um I'm disappointed that I won't get to see all of these athletes and their families again but um I'm glad that they'll have Daphne there and they they were all very glad. I'm so glad to hear that. It's just so much fun. It was great even just being back in Lake Placid this year and I did the Dallas competition. It's just it just feels good to be back in that mode again. I appreciate it so much. So it's just amazing. So Mel, before we sign off, can you tell folks where they can find you and what you're up to? Yeah, I, uh, well, I'm going home. You can find me on my deck. (laughs) Editing photos in the evenings after the sun sets. Um, But uh, in general, uh, I'm online at mhaneyphoto, M-H-E-A-N-E-Y photo on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, I'm just, as I mentioned earlier, I'm just finishing up uh, 10 competitions in 11 weeks all across the country. Uh, But I live in Cleveland, 
and um, I'm looking forward to a few weeks at home. I have a small competition in Michigan coming up, and then I'll be at Skate America working for U.S. Figure Skating. Uh, I might be at Skate Canada. At some point, I should decide that. And uh, then after that, I'll be at the Midwestern and Pacific Coast sectionals. Mids goes like Monday through Thursday. And Pacific Coast goes Thursday through Sunday, so I'm going to fly out west on Friday morning and be at Pacific Coast for the end of it. Busy times. Busy, yes, busy season for me. Well, thank you so much for filling in for Gina. I'm sure we'll have you on again because I'm going to be away doing some things. Gina will be away doing things, so we definitely will have you back on again to co-host with us. And maybe we'll just bring <laughs> you on to talk about all things photography at some point. Well, I'm happy to be here whenever you need me. Thank you. With that, we've reached the end of our episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Melanie. And you've been listening to This Week in Skating. Have a great week.